If I were in some old Western movie, that John Wayne type thing, I'd probably say something at the top of this like, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. But it's just a podcast, and as a matter of fact, there are exactly two of us on this authentic avenue. Tacovas, a Western boots and accessories company that pledges to do one thing and one thing only, and that's shoot you straight. Today you'll meet the founder of Tacovas, Paul Hedrick, a native Texan who felt this wasn't only a category that needed a brand, but that he needed to be the guy to do it. On the show, we'll talk more about the journey to founding that brand, as well as how shooting you straight is the main way in which he operationalizes authenticity. Well, on that, plus the definition of the word, and some tips about how you and or your brand may be able to find your collective North Star. So sit back, relax, or maybe saddle up and listen in as I get real with Tacovis and Paul Hedrick. There is a little more authentic Americana in my mind than a cowboy boot. The good news is that I get to explore that not just product, but category, but feeling of what it means to put one of those on, especially when it's well-crafted. From our guest today, I have on Paul Hedrick from Tacovis. Paul, how you doing? Thanks for joining. I'm doing great, Adam. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I I say that because, of course, on this show, we talk about authenticity all the time. And you could draw authenticity from a lot of things. But like, if I'm being real here, I'd prefer to get it out of something like the product you have as opposed to like a piece of software. But regardless, why don't we start before talking about that cowboy boot and everything around it? Let's talk about you. Where'd you grow up? What's your what's your background? How'd you get here? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I'm a I'm a born and raised Texan. Uh, I uh, I lived there for pretty much my whole uh, life, save for a couple stints, uh, one in in Boston for college and once in New York um, for another job. But uh, yeah, I, I was born in Houston and raised in Dallas, and now I've made Austin my home for the last six years. So at this point, I just say Texan when I when people ask me where I'm from. Sure, you've been all over the map, at least for that state. And don't sell yourself short. This is something I actually wanted to get into towards the top of this, because if I were like uh, ignorant and just looking through here, I'd say, interesting. So this guy went to Harvard. He's a smart guy. He immediately after that, um, you know, was involved in uh, the consulting side and a little bit of trading, did some private equity, as I see, and then jumps into cowboy boots. Well, where the heck did that come from? But now that I know, and now that we know, that you're a Texan through and through, that makes a lot more sense. You're probably wearing these when you came out of the womb. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely had the, uh, the you know, the, whenever they made a boot in your size when you were a kid, I uh, had that pair of probably some red uh, cowboy boot ropers that I wore to the grocery store and such. Um, no, you're, you're right to point out uh, some of my journey. Um, it's, it's, it's been a, been a fun one. Um, uh, yeah, I went to I went to Harvard for for college. Um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do other than I, w- I was really interested in business. Um, so I jumped from there to uh, a consulting firm to kind of you know my goal was to really just let me get the toolkit, let me learn how to how the business world operates. Um, but then I, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to dive into the industry that I really wanted to dive into, which was consumer and, and retail. Um, and that's what led to me a, a job at a what was a private equity firm focused um, exclusively on retail and consumer investing. And uh, I ended up just basically working with those companies directly for two years straight, um, doing similar work to consulting. But um, it was awesome because it made me I got to go deeper and I got to operationalize and I got to actually um, carry through a lot of the stuff that you didn't you don't really get to do in consulting. And 
um, you know, I had responsibility for things that, you know, it wasn't quite um, industry level. You know, I didn't, I wasn't working directly for any of the companies uh, full time, but uh, it was an awesome experience and it, it, they were definitely formative in where I am today. And I think, you know, for me to answer the, the, the question of the, the founding story and how did I get here, uh, it's definitely a twofold one. You know, it's, it's, there's the, the reason that Tecovis I thought needed to exist in my view. And then, you know, the other one is the more personal one, you know, why, why should I be the, the one to quit my job to do it? So yeah, if, you could, if, you, if you could help me elaborate on this, like, yeah, why, why, why would uh, you saw this and you're like, okay, this needs to exist. Well, as somebody who hasn't spent my entire life in cowboy boots, why? And then like on top of that, I, I can, I can piece together the second question, maybe without even hearing the answer a little bit. It's like, well, you had direct experience with retail. You found an, you found the opportunity to get in your category. Um, but maybe you can help me with both. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, the, so maybe first a good level set on what Tecovis is. You know, we're we are a brand, um, a Western brand. Uh, primarily, you know, our primary product is cowboy boots, and you know, the way we view it is they're they're the best, most comfortable, and most approachable cowboy boots on the market. And you know, we do sell them exclusively direct to the customer. Um, and those words all together, uh, you know, they didn't exist. We were the first brand to do all those things, and so. Um, you know, the, the why it needed to exist now seems somewhat obvious. I, it, it's funny if you look at some of these categories of, of other consumer goods out there. Um, but, you know, in 2014, it, it wasn't so obvious. Uh, and I remember I, I, I actually had the, the classic light bulb moment um, that many people uh, I didn't think was really real, but uh, it was real for me. Um, uh and that I looked, I was thinking about retail and I was thinking about brands and I was thinking about what are, what are some categories that maybe I've experienced where, you know, there was a brand missing that wasn't giving the customer everything that they wanted. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty simple mindset, uh, really at the end of the day, a simple question. And I, I, I was wearing cowboy boots to the office, uh, basically every time I went in and I had a pair of these ostrich cowboy boots on and I looked at my feet and I said, well, those were expensive. <laughs> that was something I spent money on. I, I'm sure a lot of other people do. And, uh, you know, the, the experience in, uh, of buying those boots, the, uh, the lack of the connectivity with the brands, the, the lack of approachability, the lack of, of modern customer service, the, the lack of a, a price value proposition that felt obvious and real. Um, you know, when you go into uh, a, a Western store, um, you know, most of them are either a, a you know, kind of one-off, a mom-and-pop um, store with, uh, you know, lots of great personality, but, um, maybe not a lot of, um, consistency or storytelling ability. And the other is, uh, you know, kind of the, the big box experience and the big box experience largely in this category was, was a little bit lower end than I, than, than really what I wanted, but more importantly, it was just a, it was kind of a confusing and not very approachable experience. You know, th there was grocery aisle style inventory on the floor, you know, hundreds of boots in an aisle kind of organized by size. Um, you know, not too dissimilar to kind of a, uh, outlet, you know, style shopping, um, which wasn't very, you know, high end or high, you know, touch point experience. Um, but more importantly, when you, when you, when you walk the aisle, you, you feel like you need help. It, it's, it's hard to look at the category and, you know, there's boots that cost $50 to the customer and some that cost 5,000. And some of these are right next to the, each other on the shelf. Quick so, pause for a second. Uh, Did you say $5,000? Oh yeah, I mean, obviously, most 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 boots don't cost that much, but 
yeah, one of the things that intrigued me about the category was just how wide it, it spread as far as the the kind of level of quality and uh, and of, of product and customer experience that you can that you can have um, within the category and. Now I don't. There aren't a lot of five thousand dollars boots out there, but they're out there and, and they're great <laughs> if you can afford it. You ever try? You ever try to pair them on? I can't even. I can't even like visualize this in my head. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's funny if if you look at some of our boots in our lineup, they don't look too dissimilar to some of the ones that are, um, you know, pretty overpriced as many people might consider them. Uh, it comes down to, to 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 you know really quality of materials and construction, which. Yeah, there's a way to overdo it, but um, you know, my my view was I think that there's a way to do it right, which is you know maximize um, the areas that people want and just you know charge a fair price. Don't don't charge an don't you know 10x the the cost that you're paying uh, when you charge the customer. Um, and I do think the ones that are that tend to be in that range, yeah, I mean they're 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 a little bit more like that. <laughs> Yeah, way, way, wow. Like that's something that uh, <laughs> I'll go look around. I'll try Google something like that. And maybe it's just because I haven't like been born in that world. So listeners, some of you, like if you're aware of this might be like, yeah, no shit, Adam. Yeah, some some of these very expensive boots, right? But anyway, I'm learning. So give me some rope. Um, and uh, okay, so Paul, I, was, I had cut you off. Um, uh, we're talking about, you know, your why is like, why, why you're the, why do you have to be the guy to do it? And all that. So, so keep on going. I just yeah. had to interject there. Oh, of course. No, I mean, like many other categories, you know, there, there's 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 a broad range, and I think um, I think the broader the range, the more opportunity there is to sort of consolidate what most people want. Um, and that was that was what I thought I recognized um, personally. Um, but I was worried, honestly, that it was a small industry. I'm like, well, why hasn't someone done this before? Um, everything about this category is leaving something to be desired when it comes to you know, putting it all together. It doesn't mean that there weren't great brands. There's there definitely a few brands that were giving, you know, some element um, uh, of that equation that the customer wants uh, to the customer, but not all of them. Um, and, you know, it, it, it probably, it's funny because I think the, the industry has definitely has the perception of being a niche industry. And to be clear, it's definitely not as big as some other industries. It's not as big as the, the mattress industry or the eyeglass you know, uh, you know, the, the glasses industry. Um, but it is, I was, what I was surprised to find is that it was way bigger than I thought. It was a multi-billion dollar U.S. market alone. And, you know, I thought, man, how could millions of people be spending hundreds of dollars? You know, some are spending thousands, but, you know, the vast majority of these are hundreds of dollars uh, on pairs of boots per year. And the industry hasn't evolved. Uh, you know, this was 2014 and there was uh, most of the brands in this category, just to um, talk tactical, like didn't didn't even have their own e-commerce sites that you could, that had a buy button. You know, they had their inventory listed with kind of the old wholesale model, like, hey, here's where you can find them. Um, and, you know, 2014 was kind of this wave of um, first uh, we were in the middle of this wave of direct to consumer brands coming to market. And um, so, yeah, that all became clear. Uh but the other side of the story was, I, uh, if you really want to get uh, the authentic answer, is um, I was rejected from business school, uh, and that ended up being the, the the domino, you know, I that that fell for me that basically led me to consider entrepreneurship, and then you know start to think about a problem not just as something that existed, but something that maybe I could go do and fill this gap in my life. And you know, I had applied to business school without really honestly having a great reason to go or want to go other than it seemed like 
the right thing to do. A lot of my peers were doing it and, and you know, don't get me wrong. It certainly sounded fun. <laughs> um, you know, but the silver lining with that rejection was that it forced me to think more deeply about what I really wanted to do with my life and, you know, answer the question of, you know, how am I different from my peers? And, you know, should I, does that make me an entrepreneur? Am I an entrepreneur? I'm not sure. Yeah. I guess they're kicking themselves now because look what you've done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if they're kicking themselves, but, uh, I, I do think that, um, I, I had a chip on my shoulder. Certainly. Sure. Uh, I think, um, I, I, I think I didn't do a great job, honestly, probably telling my story because I, I probably didn't really want to go. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think when I when I really thought it was what was different about me and I um, I, I think there's a couple of things. One, I think first I had a I had a pretty big capacity for risk. Um, I was I was definitely always a long term, you know, success oriented person. Um, you know, kind of a life is short in the meantime. Um, and, uh, you know, I like to have fun and I like to, um, you know, the, I like the idea of betting on myself. Um, and the other was, uh, maybe more, maybe a little more interesting was, uh, I had some interest, certainly some capacity, but definitely a lot of interest in, in being more multifaceted and maybe even, I don't know, multifarious with my focus, including being creative, I, when I was a kid, I had a, I had a, you know, I basically wanted to be an artist. So I, I had a strong interest, you know, when I was in my twenties and thinking about what I want to do with my career. And maybe, maybe I could bring some of those, um, those creative interests back to play. Uh, I, when I was in middle school, I wanted to be an artist. When I was in high school, I wanted to be an architect. Um, you know, maybe I could combine those with these kind of operational analytical chops I mean, listen, it wasn't a lot of them, but I, I had certainly gleaned something from these first couple of experiences and, you know, market opportunity identification and maybe product market fit. Maybe that would help with that part of the equation. And if I, you know, am interested in doing the design and the product side of it, I could I can do all this maybe myself if I if, <laughs> if I'm willing to take the risk. So, you know, I, I think the idea evolved from being a crazy one to being the right one pretty quickly. I, I remember a um, a quote, um, well, not necessarily a quote, but, uh, but something that Danny Meyer, uh, has said, he's, he's an inspiration of mine. He's the, he's the founder of Union Square Hospitality Group and later Shake Shack. Um, and he's pointed out this fact in many of his writings and his interviews, but, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are upside oriented. And I, I definitely recognize that I was upside oriented. You know, they may have a lot to lose, but they still focus on the long-term opportunity. And if they don't, uh, you know, nothing else matters, you know? And so I, I, I didn't have a lot to lose. You know, I was 26, debt-free, unmarried, kind of ready to be move and be flexible. And, you know, I was ready to bet on myself. That's such a great point um, because a lot of folks who are prospective brand builders probably go through that exact same, maybe are going through that exact same question right now. It's certainly something that I went through. I mean, shoot, I'm doing this interview with you, having not done the exact same thing as you because I'm not like a retail expert, but having looked at the job market and instead having taken a bet on myself. Like, well, this is how I'm different. I do a lot of interviews like this. I can make a business yeah, out of that are. or try, right? And so here we are. So I can appreciate that a, a lot. And um, I never applied to business school, but, you know, I assume if I had, I, you know, that's the kind of thing that I haven't really thought too much, at least too heavily about either. So I'm encouraged on my own journey by hearing yours, if that makes sense. Uh, so, and it makes a lot more sense now to me, though I could piece it together at the beginning as to what is to the, the why Paul for this. And 
you know, bearing that in mind, as well as the fact that, you know, uh, you are a Texan born and bred. So, you know, this definitely this product and, and, and type of product is in, is it your blood basically, uh, does that color or how does that color your, your definition of, of this grand A word that we pursue here on this show, like authenticity, like what does that mean to you then as somebody who has gone out, you got the pedigree, you got the background, you know how to build a business. You've seen plenty of retailers do it. You worked for a, a PE firm that, that, that invested in, you know, retailers that did it well. Now you make this decision to bet on yourself and go out there and do it on your own. And of course now many more than just your own, you got a quite a large team. How do you think about staying, I guess, authentic through it? How would you define the word maybe? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think there's a couple of ways of thinking about it. Um, one is sort of just maybe in general, I think being authentic is, you know, for us, it's, it's having a North star that just that doesn't waver. It never wavers. Um, and I think you may not necessarily know what that North star is right away or how to put it on paper, but I think it ends up becoming obvious over time. Uh, if not being obvious from day one, and I think for, for, for me and for us, um, still, it, it's about making people happy and giving them what they want, giving the customer what they want, uh, giving customers joy. Um, and I, I think that was sort of the that was what was obvious for me. And, and what's what's obvious is generally what's most authentic. Um, it's the I felt like, uh, at least for in the, the Tacovis lens, that. Uh, the world was missing something, uh, was missing a, a brand, a retailer in the category whose who's number one goal was North Star was just to make people happy and give them what they want. And so I think I think you could write a long list of the tactical things that, you know, the boxes that you can check to make people happy, to give them what they want, to give them joy, uh, which is a, a word we use a lot internally. Um, but I think if that doesn't permeate in everything you do from designing the products to pricing them to selling them in the store to greeting a customer at the door to answering the phone to an email to um you know really prioritizing and building you know your own coach culture and efforts as a team like it's not authentic unless it really permeates all the way through so i think there's this sort of the that that's that's like the i don't know step one of defining the word and i think that the the second which is like, like hey it's a binary answer to the question you know does you know are we authentic um, but I think the second way is maybe more interesting for us, which is uh, uh, to define authenticity, which is how 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 deeply authentic are we, and what is that what is the the feeling of authenticity that we can um, incite in our customers? Um, it isn't just about being able to check those sort of rational boxes, like I mentioned, um, you know, hospitality, value, great products. Um, you know, fast customer service times. You also have to be cognizant of what, what you're doing, what you're selling, and how, how do you make people feel with that? And I think, you know, lucky for us, um, we're in a category that sort of, like you said, kind of exudes authenticity potential. Um, we're connected to, to emotions. We're connected to feelings. Cowboy boots, um, for anyone who's experienced them, uh, come with emotion. You know, they, they're, you know, they kind of, they have real roots in Americana as something that, um, you know, the, the men and women of the frontier needed and, uh, that they passed along and that were always high quality and, and it, it, from the beginning. And it's one of the few apparel and footwear items that their owners hold with such pride. You know, they can be passed down. You may have a pair of your grandfather's boots. Uh, a lot of people on our team do. Um, you know, they're worn on special occasions, perhaps your wedding or your favorite concert or 
you know, in Texas, often, you know, when an attorney giving the closing arguments of a, a big court case, um, you know, so by not only just checking these boxes, but recognizing that what we're selling is far more special um, than maybe a typical widget, um, you know, that, that, that's where the depth of authenticity uh, comes in and it's deep for us. Um, so when we get it right, it's not just binary. Hey, is this, is this brand true to itself? Is this brand authentic? Do they do, they do what they say they're going to do? Um, uh, it's yeah, not only that, but they're doing it, uh, in a category that you can, then you can develop your own feelings, you know, kind of comes full circle. So, um, yeah, we talk a lot about authenticity here, which is why I, um, I liked the idea, uh, uh, when we were introduced, um, uh, by our friends, Chip and Jake, uh, to do this because it, it just appeals a lot uh, to me and to our brand and to, to our team. Totally. And so it's not just, are the roots there? It's how deep do they go? And uh, quick plug to the listeners, if you're interested in hearing that story from Chip and Jake, the founders of Maiden, feel free to do that. It's in our archive. Um, so uh, let me ask you another question, Paul, because in thinking about how deep the roots are, I'm also interested into how that grows, let's say, above the surface of the proverbial brand ground. And uh, that leads me to another question, which is, how do you let that manifest to people? to me, to somebody who's on your site, to your employees. How does that uh, joy, as you said you've talked about, proliferate? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny, I'll, I'll start with the, with the best answer I think I have, which is, um, you know, shoot people straight. <laughs> do what you say you're going to do. Uh, and um, that's actually one of our uh, internal uh, pillars and values, um, which is, uh, yeah, shooting people straight. Um, it, it's clearly what everyone wants. You know, clear is kind is another uh, a phrase we throw around a lot. Uh, one of our internal mantras um, actually comes from Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're moving too fast. And, you know, we care about each other too much not to be clear with each other as teammates. So um, let's also be clear with our customers. So, you know, I think, you know, personally, I am a, a straight shooter. It is definitely my personality. I think, you know, for better or for worse, I think compared to many other founders and CEOs, I, I don't, I don't embellish our story more than it needs to be. I think we're doing great things, um, but you know, we we definitely shoot people straight and tell it like it is. And uh, and you know, for me, that means when we celebrate, it's it's all the more meaningful. Uh, you know, we're honest with all of our stakeholders, uh, from customers to investors to vendors to teammates. Um, you know, we want to, we're, we're truth seeking. Uh, we're not, um, we're not just looking for the optimistic side of things. So, um, that's sort of the, the internal version from an external, uh, uh, facing philosophy. Um, you know, we, we give our customers a square deal and we're honest about it. Um, and some of the actual maybe tactical avenues we do this, um, we publish hundred percent of our product and company reviews, uh, we, you know, we put them all on the website. Uh, we respond to nearly all of them and always make sure to uh, make right the ones that are subpar. Uh, we answer questions honestly when we're asked. You know, we try not to underpromise and overdeliver too much. Uh, we try not to keep things secret that shouldn't be keep, kept secret. Um, and, you know, when, I th- when we think about a product line, we, we don't obfuscate our strategy. Uh, we're not trying to game people with, with loss leading products on one side and crazy high margin products on the other, you know, we do our best to be balanced and uh, everything that we do is it's this is the direct to consumer mentality. You know, we're, you're, we're going to get, you're going to get the best product you possibly can for this price. 
and everything that we do as a company is in our experience, that's what we can do. We, we're going to balance all of our objectives into as simple of a merchandising and pricing philosophy as possible so that the customer always feels, uh, because they are, it's the truth, that they're getting a great deal from us. Um, and, and, you know, t- uh, corollary to that is we don't discount. We don't play games. Uh, we don't play games with marketing or promotions. It doesn't mean we don't do promotions at all. We do a big one on Cyber Weekend where we um, do a you know, gift with purchase. <clears throat> and you know, we even tested one or two other gift with purchase promotions this year, but none of them include a discount. And it's, it's important that we're authentic. And you know, when we say that we don't do that, we tell the truth. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's, that's probably my favorite uh, answer to that question. I think one, I, I think the other pillar that I think maybe is worth addressing is how, you know, we're different from other brands in our category. I think there, there are definitely brands in our category and others that do a great job of, you know, shooting the customer straight, um, giving them what they want and, you know, providing direct to consumer value, potentially uh, other categories. But I think a, another really big reason we're different, and this comes from my personal inspiration, um, from some of the founders that I admire is that we are service focused. We're a really hospitality focused company. Um, you know, so our mission is actually to be the most beloved brand ever created in the Western category. So the, the North star is to create customer joy and our, and our, how we're going to do that is we're going to create this brand that is beloved. And we like to use that word a lot too. Um, and so what that ends up meaning for us is we end up focusing on customer service, you know, really more than most, if not all, um, certainly all in our category, uh, you know, the results tend to speak for themselves. Um, we hover around uh, about a 92 net promoter score at all times, which, you know, if you're familiar with that, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, metric is it's pretty, it's pretty high. I don't know anyone higher, actually. Um, but, you know, we're inspired by the by some of the people who are the, the titans of the service and hospitality cultures. Um, Tony Shea, uh, Zappos, <clears throat> rest in peace. Uh, at, at Zappos, you know, his, which he'll, he'll write, he writes about in his book, Delivering Happiness. Um, Danny Meyer at Union Square Hospitality Group, like I already mentioned, um, uh, both of their, those memoirs, uh, Setting the Table and Delivering Happiness are, are basically required reading for our team. Um, you know, so we do what it takes. We, we smother our customer service. Um, you know, how does this turn into actions? We, you know, when we did a pricing exercise last year, we made sure that we have the margin room to give people flexibility they need and the hospitality they expect. You know, we, we make sure that um, we turn obstacles into opportunities when we do a promotion. If people, let's say someone's unhappy about it, they bought uh, a, a pair of boosts the day before, like, you know, why can't I get a free gift too? Like, we, we give it to them. We build that in. Um, you know, it, it gives us room to say yes to people whenever we can. You know, did your new puppy chew up your favorite pair of boots? Uh, you know, we've been there. It will not bankrupt us to say yes <laughs> Uh, to those and give you a new pair. Uh, in our stores, it's 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 really permeates. You know, we don't pay our team on commission. Um, in fact, the number one motivating and performance factor is customer experience. You know, how did we make our customers feel when they visited our store? You know, we 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 give them a be- you know we offer you a beverage when you walk in. We don't say, hey, what can I help you find? That um, means you know we, we're, we're neighborly. We ask how their day's going. Uh, we're not salesy, uh, but we're proactive and we guide the customers so their questions are answered, hopefully, before they feel maybe the awkward need to ask them. But it also means letting them drive the bus if they need that. And uh, one of my favorite things we do is we we compliment um, every pair of boots we see, you know, even even if maybe especially if not, uh, if they're not Tacovas. You know, I, we believe that, you know, the good the good guys will be recognized. 
you know, a rising tide floats all ships. And uh, another thing we say a lot internally is, you know, the brand with the most friends wins. And uh, we're going to win by being friendly with not only our customers, but also our vendors and maybe even our competitors. You know, we don't mistreat or trash talk our competitors. Um, you know, we, we compliment. Uh, you know, we, we're, the boot industry is a small one. It's a friendly one. Uh, there's a little bit of, of, of competition to be sure, but, um, you know, we want to be the good guys. And I think uh, if, you've, if you're doing things that uh, if you're if some of your actions are, are not reflective of that, then your customer will recognize that customers are very sharp at recognizing uh, when brands are being inauthentic or unfriendly if they're trying to be the friendly brand. So sorry, that was a bit of a long winded answer, but no, that's helpful. It's helpful because, and it actually kind of encompasses the final question too, but to know how exactly you shoot people straight is really nice to hear. And again, I've never, you know, been the head of a retail organization, but you know, it it seems, certainly seems like you're doing the right thing. I also haven't really heard of an NPS hired in 92, so congrats on that. Uh, But, you know, this is something which people need to hear, you know, people who are building brands that might be small today, but doing their best to create as much value as possible and making as many friends as they can, as you've just said, that's valuable. They might not see the numbers right now. And maybe it's part of eating that risk that, that makes them okay with that, but you know, doesn't make them okay with that every day. You know, there's always going to be ups and downs and you know, how do you just continue to provide as much value as possible? And again, shoot people straight, even if that includes shooting themselves straight. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of long-term, as you mentioned, like there some of these decisions you don't, in these actions, you don't, you don't, you don't see the fruits of till later. Uh, I think, you know, when, when brands think about community marketing, um, you know, I remember at the beginning, there was uh, you know, a lot of people asked us about influencer marketing and, hey, you're using influencers. And, you know, my, my answer was always, you know, not really. We're, we're, we're we give a lot of boots away to people that we think are cool that we that we um you know want to build real relationships with but we never asked them to do anything in exchange and um you know i i think uh it, the, the more authentic these connections are with either a just as important with a celebrity as it is with a you know you know joe schmo is walking in off the street into your store like uh, again people are people are sharp they recognize that and yeah building a brand is a long-term mission you know, this isn't, uh, you know, we're going to be around next year. We're going to be around the following year. We're going to be around the next decade. We might be around the next century for all uh, I know. So, yeah, you'll know, be careful with making short-term uh, decisions. Is that is that part of the advice you give to folks? I mean, so just to round this out, I do often ask for, you know, what is maybe one thing that you've learned that's unexpected or one thing that a mentor has taught you, something that you've picked up? And we've done a ton of that here, but... Um, maybe as a way of rounding out inst- instead of saying like, well, what's, what's that advice for people? Cause you've given plenty, even if you don't think you've given it plenty, you've given plenty. What's, um, maybe over these last few years of building Tecovis, what's, what's the number one thing that you've kept in, in mind or, or, or what is a way in which people can start to determine what their North star is? I'm just curious to get your thoughts on a little bit of that as we round out the, the chat. Yeah, totally. I, like, you know, the North star question is, is, you know, this is, I actually, it's funny because my, my, my real truth is that I sometimes um, get annoyed um, with the idea of, you know, of using a bunch of fluffy brand language. <clears throat> um, and, uh, you know, which is why I think it took us 
about five years to really have some of these conversations out in the open and write some of these things down that were in my head. And so I think, you know, first thing I'd say is like, get, get what's in your head out into the open. Um, if you're a founder, um, you can't expect people to read your mind and you can't um, inspire people certainly to uh, represent the brand that, that you've created or you're leading um, or you're participating in and you're managing a team as part of it um, uh, without just getting it out there. And so, uh, you know, I think I'd say first that that truth, that North star should already be reflected in your actions and your perceptions. So, you know, go ask your customers, go ask your team, what makes you different? What makes the brand different? What do they say? You know, do a, do a post-it note exercise, you know, get, get tactical with this stuff. Um, and I think maybe really practically is, is, you know, make a set, like write down a set of what you think are the unbreakable rules, those principles or pillars. Um, we've used all those descriptions before. Um, you know, like I said, we didn't really go through this exercise until this year. And I, I wish we, I'd done it years before. And I would tell that to anyone um, who's on a similar mission. Um, and so that, you know, that, that those things can always be true. Brands last for a long time. Um, some things are okay to change, uh, and it's, and some things are not okay to change. So it's never going to be too late to, to address those things. Um, you know, internally, you know, just to, you know, again, maybe get a little tactical. We've, we have, we have five rules. They're sort of principles and pillars. Um, and you know, my honest answer is we're still in the process of wordsmithing those rules. Um, those are the, those are the things that are always true as someone can experience us. Um, and they need to be universal, but we also have a, a values internally, and those are how we work with each other. Uh, and so it's kind of a we have a bit of a we got a little bit four step process internally to, to find that north star. Um, and I think it's it's been incumbent upon me, I think more than ever, realizing that that's the most important thing I can do as CEO right now. It's not necessarily go draw the next boot or to um, uh, you know, design, you know, help, help determine where the next store should be or the next, or what that store should look like. Although those are all important things for us to do, but you know, there's only one person sometimes uh, who can help define, you know, the operating system for a company uh, and for a brand. And so, yeah, if you haven't done that, it's probably more important uh, to do it sooner than later than maybe you think. I, I, I was breaking that, that rule and, and only recently, maybe not. Well, knowing that you've now uh, sort of gotten on that path, uh, it's been nice to hear about, you know, what has resulted uh, through all of this conversation to see how that, you know, how those roots, how deeply they go, how that's proliferated, how you treat people and, uh, you know, how that's changed you as a, as a business person, as a brand builder, um, you know, and uh, I guess for allowing me to, to take, uh, you know, a mile long walk in your boots, thank you for coming on the show for telling me a little bit more about Tecovis and uh, what else can I say? Appreciate you being on. No, thank you, Adam. This is great. Appreciate your time. You know, I listened back on this interview and I think a bunch of things, mostly appreciation for Paul's journey, which I seek to emulate, though not in footwear, and the $5,000 cowboy boot. I'm going to try to find one of those. Not buy it, just look at it. Thanks, Paul, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into the show today. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts like this. And you can also find me socially, of course, outside of these podcasts, LinkedIn at Authentic Avenue or Adam Connor. You can also find me a little bit on TikTok doing things in a little more informal capacity at Authentic Adam, as well as via email, adam at authenticavenuemedia.com. 
say hello or give me a suggestion for who should be on the show next. And hey, if you're thinking about building your own podcast for your business, well, I know a heck of a lot about that and I'd be happy to help. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.